a bummer. But what's that? Yeah, we do have three more services. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, again, you go ahead and have a seat. And uh, what, are you, what are you laughing at? What are you guys doing up there? I thought you were doing something. Anyways, what's that? Oh. So, again, Merry Christmas. Great to have you guys here. And uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. If I, could, uh, if I could give you a gift, and in that gift you open it up and there was um, heaven for you, there was the potential for heaven, eternal life, how many would want that? Okay, most of you. Good. The rest of you guys... Let's talk afterwards. <laughs> because I don't, know, I don't know what you guys think heaven is, but it sounds pretty cool from what the Bible says. Uh, so here's what we're going to do this morning. Just like you guys on Sunday, or I see Sunday morning, uh, Christmas morning, just like you guys on Christmas morning are going to run downstairs with your jammies on and you're going to tear apart your gifts, get the wrapping paper off, open the box, see what you got. We're jumping right into it this morning to unwrap some things that Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 18. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. If you're using the, the Bible there close to you in the seats, it's page 1046. Go ahead and, and turn there. Now you might be saying, hey, now wait a second here. I've, I've gone to church once or twice in my life. I know that Luke 18 is not the Christmas story. I thought we were doing a Christmas story this morning. It's Christmas. Well, you're going to have to kind of hang in there until the end. I plan on taking out the old Christmas bow, tying it up real nicely for you. We'll wrap it together, and you'll hopefully see uh, how it comes together. Hopefully. I'm talking, so it may never get there. We'll see. Um, so Jesus has been talking here in Luke up until this point about uh, eternal life, about heaven. How does somebody get to heaven? How does, how does somebody know that they have eternal life? We were in verses 9 through 14 last week talking about this religious leader and this uh, tax collector who were praying. And so we talked a little bit about that. We're going to continue on in this chapter. We're going to start in verse 15 because Jesus uh, takes this idea of eternal life, this idea of heaven, and he begins to kind of open it up for us, help us understand by using some illustrations uh, on how, to, how this happens. So starting off in verse 15, says this. Now again, so Jesus is teaching. There's large crowds around him. He just gets done uh, talking about this Pharisee tax collector who were praying and how that all played out. And so there's still people around him. And what was happening was, as he's teaching, they, parents, were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch and bless them. In other words, so, you know, we, we see the politicians, right, and their pictures, and they're always holding babies, and it's, you know, that kind of cute little thing. A little bit different here. This is this is Jesus. This is the guy who's been going around doing some really cool teaching, but doing a bunch of miracles, and, and, and he does that by, you know, usually touching them and, and, you know, healing them. And so these parents are like, man, if he's doing that, let's make sure our babies get blessed by him. So they want their babies blessed, so they bring it to him. But the disciples, when they saw it, they began rebuking them. So in other words, get away. This isn't baby time. You know, this is, we don't need to have Babies around, all right? This is more important stuff. This is important adult stuff. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God, or heaven, belongs to such as these. Now, we're going to see as we read through this passage, there's several different phrases, words that Jesus uses, or the people use. Uh, kingdom of God, it's talking about heaven. Um, 
eternal life, talking about heaven, being saved, talking about heaven, following me, really is talking about heaven. So we're going to see some different phrases. I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. So he says, for the kingdom of God or heaven belongs to such as these, these babies. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, and of course this, this heaven, kingdom of God has this idea of having this relationship with God, being a part of his kingdom, like a child will not enter it at all. So Jesus is blessing these kids. Disciples try to stop them. He says, no, no, this is an illustration. I want you guys to understand something here. So what's the deal with the babies? No, he's not saying, he's not trying to teach that uh, you have to be a baby to go to heaven or that all babies go to heaven. That's not not what he's saying here. There's some answers to those things, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about there's something with these babies and connected with Jesus that allows us to understand a little bit better what does it mean to have this kingdom of God, to have this uh, knowledge and understanding and certainty of going to heaven. So when you think about a baby, the first thing that we see here is that the babies were being brought to Jesus so that Jesus could bless them, to have this personal touch from Jesus. And so the first thing he's trying to get across to us is, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to know for sure that you're going to heaven, you have to have this personal touch from Jesus Christ. You have to have this connection with Jesus. That You have to allow him to bless you. Now last week we talked about, again, about the Pharisee and the and the tax collector, the Pharisee, the religious leader, Jesus said, wasn't going to heaven, which everyone shocks everybody, right? A religious leader, not going to heaven? What? You know, how's that happen? But the tax collector, the, the thief, the uh, traitor to Israel, Jesus says he's going to heaven. Why? Because he called out for God's mercy. And we found out that word mercy was only used twice in the New Testament. That particular word that we translate mercy means calling out to God to basically remove our sin, remove the stuff that I've done wrong, make it possible for me to be in a relationship with you by taking away the barrier that's between you and me. And so these, these babies are a great illustration of how we should be, that we want that personal touch from Jesus, that we want that personal interacting, uh, interaction with Jesus. But also babies are a great illustration of total dependency. So for a child, and we, we've got a couple little kids here, and we've got our grandson now, and so it's, it's really fun to watch how totally dependent they are on their parent. They're totally dependent for all their physical needs, their emotional needs. So I want to let you guys know that uh, on Friday, I babysat my grandson, just me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. And he, he seems to be. At least at this point, he seems to be pretty good. No, he was awake. Uh, thirty minutes. I did it for thirty minutes. And no joke. As soon as he goes, his parents came back. Yes. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, babies are fully dependent on their parents. And so what Jesus is trying to get across with this illustration is for us to to have this eternal life, to have this kingdom of God, we need to be fully dependent on Jesus Christ. We need to be fully dependent 
on him for our spiritual life. And as we're going to find out, it also ties in our physical life as well. And this is a huge point as we move through here, this idea of being fully dependent. So right on the heels of this, Luke tells us, the author here tells us that there is a a ruler who shows up. Now, we know from the other Gospels, this is in all four Gospels, that he's he's rich. This Luke tells us too, but he's rich and he's young and he's a ruler. Probably like a community leader. Okay, not, not a religious leader. We already talked about religious leaders. So Jesus is bringing in this other um, community leader. So he's a rich young ruler. That's what we're going to be calling him from this point forward. YR, YR, no, RYR, and a rich young ruler. And so this is what happens. There you go. A ruler questioned him. So, again, I don't know how you guys read the Bible, um, but I, I, I usually start reading it and, and ask questions of it. So, so if you just kind of pictures, Jesus just gets done saying, hey, let the children come to me because if you don't receive the kingdom of God or heaven like a baby, you won't go there. And then this ruler shows up and says, uh, question, how do I earn e- eternity? How do, I, how do I get an eternal life? So either he, now one gospel says that he actually ran up, and so maybe he wasn't there, but it just seems kind of weird that he'd be asking this question right after Jesus gives the answer. But he says, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? But Jesus answers his question with a question and says, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. So we need to kind of unpack this a little bit here. For us, when you read this, and when I you know, was reading, I was saying, good teacher, that's kind of a nice thing to say. You know, I would appreciate it. A few people, when you saw me, you know, but hey, good pastor, how are you? <laughs> and I, you know, I'd appreciate that. It'd be kind of nice. But in the first century, the Jewish people would never connect good to a person, certainly not a religious leader. Good, the, the word good was always connected to God. And so this guy walks up to Jesus and does something, says something that the Jewish people don't typically say, and that catches Jesus' attention. And so Jesus wants to go a little bit further with that before he actually gives him his answer. And by asking this question, what Jesus is saying to this guy, do you really believe that I'm God? The only one who's truly good is God. So if you're calling me good teacher, then you're connecting me somehow to God. And that's the question for us this morning. What do we, who do we believe Jesus is? Is he the cute little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger? Whoa, born, oh, born in Bethlehem. I'm going to get on that praise team. I am. One of these days. I mean, is it, is it, is it that? Is he just this little... Or is there something more to him? More to it than just a Christmas morning. So Jesus wants to know, hey, what do you, what do you think? This guy wants to know what he has to do to get eternal life. And Jesus wants to know, first of all, hey, before I go on, who do you say I am? Because that's going to play into how you respond to what I'm about to say. Jesus doesn't give him a chance to answer. He goes out right into the, the question. So this guy wants to know, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What things should I do? Which, if you talk to anybody, most anybody, and you say, hey, um, how does somebody get into heaven? They will say, well, you need to do some things. You need to do good things. You need to whatever. And they may even list out some things that you should probably do. Well, that's what this guy is doing as well. 
So Jesus is like, okay, well, if we're going to talk about things you should do, let's, let's talk about the commandments, Ten Commandments. He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So Jesus said, okay, we're going to keep going with your thing about what we have to do to get to heaven. How are you doing on commands five through nine? I don't know if this bothers any of you, but it really bothers me. I'm a little OCD. So this isn't, you know, six through ten. It's five through nine, and they're not in the right order. So if you know anything about the Ten Commandments, these are not in the right order. I'm not sure why Jesus did it. Maybe it was just to frustrate me. I don't know, but it's weird that to me that they're, it's just five through nine. It's focusing on the relational commands, how a person relates to another person, which is interesting, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But he says, I've, I've kept all these things. So Jesus is trying to get at them, hey, how are you doing on this whole obeying God thing? You know, is there sin in your life? And he's saying, no, I'm good. Since I was a youth, I did this stuff. I'm a good guy. I, I haven't really messed anybody up. I haven't really hurt anybody. Now, we know that, you know, if we were honest, and if this, if this guy was honest, he might not have done some of these, but honoring your father and mother, I mean, have we always honored our father and mother? Did this guy always honor his father and mother? And it seems kind of, but he's saying, hey, I'm a, good, I'm a good guy. I'm good to go. So when I read that, I started asking this question. If, if he thinks doing good is what gets him to heaven, Jesus then says, hey, how are you doing on these four or five commands? He says, I'm good with those. If he thinks he's good, why is he asking the question, what more should I do? I mean, that's what he's asking. I'm doing these things. Is there any more should I, that I should do? It just seems weird to me because you'd think he's confident that he's good to go. So there's something going on here with this guy, and maybe you're in his sandals this morning that you're like, okay, well, I thought I was supposed to be, if I was just good enough, I would go to heaven. But in your heart, like this guy, there must be something going on. Say, okay, well, I'm not really confident in my goodness for me to have eternal life. So what else should I do? What, are, what can I do to make that happen? So Jesus knows this guy's heart. So he's like, I'm going to continue on, and hopefully this guy is going to catch the whole point that it's not about what you do, but Jesus goes on and says this. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, all right, that's all, you think you're doing good? One thing you still lack is this. The thing you need to do is this. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Give up all your earthly possessions, and I'm, I'm promising you, you'll have heavenly treasures. You'll get to heaven. Oh, and by the way, come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. So Jesus says to him, so you want to be a good guy. Goodness is what gets you to heaven. Let me help you with that. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. I mean, that's a good thing to do, right? That would work for anybody. If you sold all that you had and you gave it to the poor, I mean, today they would name hospitals after you, right? I mean, this is what good people do. Certainly, 
this guy, if he were to do this, he would find himself certain that he has heaven. But then Jesus adds in this, oh yeah, by the way, come follow me. Now for us, it's just he just tags it on there and follow Jesus, yeah. In the first century, the people who are hearing this know exactly what Jesus is saying. Remember about the children who are totally dependent on the parents? And we need to be totally dependent on Jesus Christ? When a religious teacher would say to the, the people around him, follow me, what they were saying is this, take my teaching upon you, take my way of doing life upon you, and trust me that what I say is how you should do life. And so what Jesus is saying here, oh, hey, by the way, follow me. He's saying, put your total dependence on me. Take my teaching, which, by the way, a big part of his teaching was him saying, I'm God. So believe that I'm God and do what I tell you to do as it pertains to life and God and heaven. So it's you know, a couple small words here for us, but it meant a whole lot to the people who are hearing it. And for us today, it, it, that's the crux of it. It's that total dependence thing on who Jesus Christ is. But this guy becomes very sad because he was extremely rich. And so I, I thought to myself, if I was in his situation, would I, would I be extremely sad, intensely sad when I heard that? Like, why would he be sad? Why, why use that word? Well, I, I think part of it is that he was, Jesus was telling him, here's another thing for you to do. And he's like, okay, but if I do that, then I've got nothing. I mean, I get it that I need to do some more, but I've got nothing. And if I do that, and is that really going to make it certain for me? Am I really going to sense that certainty about heaven if I have eternal life? And I, the other part of it is, whether this made him sad or not, I don't know, but he's, what he's saying is, I don't believe Jesus that you're God. Because if he really believed that he was God, he would jump at that. Because God is telling him, hey, follow me. And so I don't think he really believed that Jesus was the good teacher, that he was sent from God. So then Jesus says, well, okay, so let me explain this to you a little bit more. This is, where I'm, this is what I'm getting at. So Jesus looked at him. Now, uh, I think it's Matthew tells us that, that he got sad and he was actually walking away. So he turns his back on Jesus. He's going to leave sad. Jesus didn't really answer his question, at least not the way he wanted it answered. So as he's walking away, there's still a crowd around him. And Jesus says, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what he's, what he's not saying here is only poor people go to heaven. Rich people won't get to heaven. Poor people will go to heaven. It's not what he's saying because there's plenty of examples in the Bible where rich people accepted Christ. They're going to heaven. Poor people didn't accept Christ. They're not going to heaven. So it's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about that dependence thing. So Jesus says, for it's easier for a camel, and if they could see a camel all around them, I mean, camels were like our cars, right? So it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, then who can be saved? See, here's the deal. Just like today, the people back in the first century, the Jewish people back then thought, well, if you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven. They just figured, do the, do the Jewish law and God will be happy with you. Especially a wealthy person, because if a wealthy, uh, the reason why a person's wealthy, why they have riches, is because God says, hey, this is what they're thinking, you do good, I'm going to bless you and show that I'm really happy with you and I'm going to give you a bunch of money. <laughs> and so they figured, man, if a rich person, and especially a good person, can't get to heaven, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. It's not the goodness of a person that gets us into heaven. It's, it's something that God does. It's this um, total dependence on Him for Him to do something in and through us. There's more to it, so let me keep going here. Hang with me. So then Peter uh, doesn't quite doesn't quite get what Jesus is saying. So it's always good to know the disciples aren't quite always with Jesus, you know, not quite getting what he's saying. Uh, they eventually do, but it says, Peter said, behold, we have left our homes, and meaning families and jobs, and followed you. So, uh, I think it's Matthew again tells us that he says, uh, he adds to this a question, so what do we get? You know, so he heard a wealthy person, they sell everything, then they're going to get treasures in heaven. Peter's like, okay, we weren't wealthy. Um, we were like fishermen and stuff. But we gave it all up, so what do we get from you, Jesus? You know, he's kind of excited. that Maybe he's going to get something for something he did. So Jesus' response is, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of getting heaven who will not receive many times as much as all of those things at this time and in the age to come, they'll get eternal life. Again, the, the key is following Jesus. See, what happens a lot of times, and some of you here uh, probably have experienced this, when you choose to put your total dependence on Jesus Christ, when, when you choose to take Jesus' teachings for your life and you're trusting in Him and Him alone for your salvation, and He says, do life my way, and you start doing life His way, family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, they're looking at you seeing that you're doing life differently than you used to do it, and it's different than what they're currently doing. And they don't understand that. that it makes no sense to them. They're going, hey, wait a second. Wait a second, you used to do life this way. You used to um, make decisions this way. You used to respond to life this way. You're not doing it anymore. What are you doing? And it, it kind of looks bad, bad on them because they're like, wait a second, you're doing, I, why aren't you doing life the way you always did it? And, and some people have actually experienced their friends and family kind of getting on them. Like it's a mean thing. It's a hard thing. It's really calling them out for wanting to do life the way Jesus says to do it. And so Jesus is saying, listen, 
if you give your life to me, if you fully dependent on me, you need to understand something. It may look like you've given up on your friends and family. You haven't. But to them, it might look like you are. But understand something. When you do that, all those other people who have done that, who have given their life to Christ, they become your spiritual family. You want to have a, a family? You're going to have a bigger family than you've ever had in the past. And Peter's like, man, what do we get? You get what everybody else, whoever, rich, poor, doesn't matter. If you are fully dependent on Jesus Christ, you get not only eternal life, but you get a spiritual family who's going to be there for you, encourage you, help you through the difficult times. Why? Because they know exactly what you're going through. And so really, we don't give up anything. We actually get a lot. A lot more is what Jesus says. Many times as much. So then Jesus finishes it out. He pulls his disciples to the side. They huddle up to the side because now he's going to help us understand what the impossible is. What is it that makes us going to heaven possible? So he tells his disciples, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man. So in other words, everything that the Old Testament says about the Son of Man, about me, Jesus is saying, I'm the Son of Man. I'm the one that the Old Testament's been talking about. Everything the Old Testament has said about the Son of Man will be accomplished. I'm going to do everything that the Old Testament said I would be doing. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, in this case the Romans, and he will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood none of these things. And the meaning of the statement was hidden from them, and he did not comprehend the things that were said. So they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They didn't, they didn't quite get it. At this point, anyways, they didn't quite get who Jesus was, what, what Jesus was really here to do. Eventually they do. In fact, you read through at the end of Luke, Jesus rises from the dead. He explains again everything that he'd been teaching them over the last two and a half, three years, and they get it. They understand it. They commit to it. And that's why we're here today, because they have went out and shared the gospel, and people came to Christ all through the centuries, and here we are today celebrating Christmas, the day Jesus Christ came to earth. And so the question for us this morning is, do we understand? Do we understand what why Jesus came to this earth? Why did God, God the Son, put on flesh, be born to Mary, who we know now as Jesus Christ? Why did he do that? Do you understand why he did that? Well, this is where I'm going to tie it up in, in a nice little bow for you, I hope, and bring it all together. How does this tie in, and how does this tie into Christmas? How does this tie into whole wreck the halls? that we've done this year. In order for us to be certain that we will have an eternity in heaven, Jesus Christ was born to wreck us. To wreck our dependence on ourselves. To wreck us thinking that as long as I'm just good enough, and really, it's kind of neat because in wrecking that thinking, we don't have to keep asking, am I good enough? 
Is what I'm doing good enough? Ah, shoot, I messed up this week. Now what am I going to do to mess up? I got to fix that. And then I still got to be even better than, you know, it's just, it's mind boggling. There's no certainty in whether we're good enough or not. That's why Jesus said it's impossible with man. But it's possible if we let Jesus wreck us by removing the barrier of our goodness, thinking that we're good enough, wondering if we're good enough, I think I might be good enough, removing it because it doesn't have anything to do with it. A baby, you know, doesn't bring anything to Jesus Christ. We don't bring anything to Jesus Christ but ourselves and our sin. And like we learned last week, we call out to God for mercy. Remove my sin. Remove the things that I've done wrong so that that barrier is removed. As we close, uh, we do what we call takeaways. And we look at it and say, okay, from what we've just got done looking at, what are some of the things that we should take away from it? And so I want to talk to you, first of all, those of you here this morning who you, you might have been like the rich young ruler. And by the way, if you're wondering, I'm not rich. You are. Um, the, the people who make the least amount of money in the United States are still in the top 5% of all the wealthy people in the world. Okay? We are wealthy people. But maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I, 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 I'm connecting with this guy. I, I don't, might not have all the wealth that this guy has, but I am wondering about this whole goodness thing. I, I'd like to go to heaven, but I don't know if I'm good enough. Well, Jesus, God... Emmanuel, God with us, is saying to you this morning, it's impossible for you, but it's possible for me. And here's how it becomes possible. If you let God make the impossible possible for you, God has to do it. And so how does that happen? Well, around here, I just throw up the ABCs because I'm a simple person. I, I don't remember things well. And so this helps me stay connected to what this means. Basically, what you do is, what you have to understand is, first of all, that, that admit that you're a sinner. And, and I think we can all admit to that. I mean, I'm, I'll admit that I'm a sinner. I've, I've screwed up. I've done things wrong in my life. The, the, Jesus was trying to get the rich young ruler to kind of see where he was not perfect. But we're not perfect. And it's that sin that keeps us separated from God. That's what has to be removed for us to, to have a relationship and know that we're going to go to heaven one day. And so it's simply admitting that. Secondly, is then B, is believing. It's putting your full weight of trust. It's putting total dependence on what God says Jesus came to do. Jesus came to this earth ultimately to live a perfect life, than to die on the cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. And then he rose again from the dead in order to defeat our sin and our death. And so what happens is when we, when we believe we sin and we ask God to forgive us of our sins, God then takes our sin, puts it on Jesus, takes Jesus' righteousness, that perfect life, and he puts it on, put it, puts it on us. I talked about this several weeks ago. That we are in Christ. We are given Christ's righteousness. Not that we're perfect, but God sees us. So when we die, our sin's forgiven and we get to go to heaven. And then the C is confess that. It's just 
a conversation, letting God know that you get that. The prayer doesn't save you. It's it's your faith in God that saves you. But I don't know. Anytime that I've ever gotten a gift, I've said thank you to the person who's given it to me. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. Go ahead and close your eyes and and bow your heads. Um, For those here this morning who are like, yeah, I I need that. I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. So this is a time for you to kind of you and, and God and blocking out the other stuff that's going on around you and just say, okay, I realize that it's not about my goodness, it's about what Christ has done. And so here's what I'd like you to do. If, you're, if, you're, if you want to um, accept that gift of salvation, then I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm only doing it just to kind of help you out at Again, a prayer doesn't save you. Me praying this prayer doesn't save you. It's your heart to God's heart, but sometimes it's a little easier if someone kind of leads you. So I want to do that at this point. And so if you want to ex- experience God's forgiveness and receive his gift of salvation, just pray, pray something like this. Just say, God, your heart to God's heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner and that there's a barrier between you and me. But I also now know and I believe I'm putting my full weight of trust, total dependence on what you say Jesus did for me. That he died on the cross for my sin. He rose again to defeat my sin in my eternity in hell. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Now, keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. If, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to know it. Um, we got a little, um, a little gift for you that we'd like to even give to you. It kind of helps explain a little bit more about what the decision is that you made. But if you just go ahead and just raise your hand. No one looking around. But if, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you just go ahead and raise your hand, just let me know what you've done. I'd love to be able to pray for you. Uh, if not, we'll move on. Okay, thanks. All right. Thanks, appreciate that. Anybody else? Give me your life to Christ, to total dependence on Him. Okay, great. Let me pray real quick. Lord, I want to thank you for the couple who raised their hand and, and have prayed that prayer. I prayed, Lord, that, um, that you would confirm that in their own hearts, in their own minds. Your, the Bible says that your Holy Spirit is in them now and will confirm that decision with them. I pray that you would do that, that they would take the steps necessary to know who you are, reading the Bible and talking to others who know you, being a part of our church family. Lord, we thank you for that and for the fact that those, maybe even some who didn't raise their hand, may have prayed a prayer that their eternity is set. They will be with you for eternity. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just end with this one thing. For those of you who have placed your faith in Christ, Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. I want to close, <coughs> excuse me, I want to close with this last thing. Let God fill the void. And we talked about, Jesus was talking about the fact that uh, those who have left their homes and um, wife and children and, and all that, in other words, there's that sense that some people will look at you and say, hey, wait a second, you're not doing life the way you used to, What's the deal? Why are you doing this? And they may even be a little bit giving you a hard time about it. Let me just encourage you to take Jesus' words to heart. 
And that when you do life God's way, God surrounds you with your spiritual family. People who are going through the same things that you're going through, who can support you, who can help you, who can encourage you, who can you know, be there for you when, when you're having a difficult time and somebody from your family is calling you up and giving you a hard time about stuff, you can hang up and then call up your friend, hey, listen, I need to talk through some stuff. This is some things that are going on and your Christian family can help you out. It's one of the great things about having the church family and what we do for each other. And that's the, the band to come up and, and close us out on, a, on a, another high note. <laughs> you get it? High note. <laughs> so... But it's great that, that you're here this morning. Go ahead and stand. And let me go ahead and pray real quick. Also give these guys a chance to kind of get set. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to be here for each person that chose to be here. Thank you for what you're doing in and through the people of our church family, for your love for us, for Jesus Christ, and what he's given us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.